Hello, and I certainly do appreciate the presence of everyone here, and ask that if you would get out your Bibles and turn with me to Acts, the ninth chapter, starting in verse 2. We're going to use Acts chapter 9 and verse 2 as our uh, reading today for our lesson. And today, it is common you know, to use terms referring to the people of God, such as the Church of Christ or the Church of God. We see in Romans 16 and verse 16, it says, The churches of Christ greet you. 1 Corinthians 1 and in verse 2, it says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth. We also know that it's common today for the people of God to be referred to as the body of Christ, or the kingdom of Christ. We have an example in Ephesians 1, and in verse 22, it says, And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And in Colossians 1 and verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We also are a people of God. Uh, we are referred to as, as, as the temple of God or the bride of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 3 and in verse 16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And then in Revelations 19 and in verse 7, referring to the bride of Christ, says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife was, has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in, in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. But in the early days of the church, there was another term that these people were known as, and they were known as the way. And if you look again in Acts chapter 9 and verse 2, as I said, we talk about Saul of Tarsus. Um, he persecuted those of the way. Acts chapter 9 and verse 2 says, And ask letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And if we look on down to chapter 22, and in verse 4, it says, I, speaking of Paul here, persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering unto, uh, into prisons both men and women. But Paul wasn't the only one. Others spoke evil of the way in Acts chapter 19, and in verse 9, it says, But some spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew to the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So, you know, and it starts out, but... When some were hardened and did not believe, they spoke evil of the way before the multitude. Acts chapter 19 and in verse 23, it says of people at Ephesus, it says, And about that time there arose a great commotion about the way. So there was a riot about the way there in Ephesus. Acts chapter 24 and in verse 14, we have Paul. He's, he's confessing that he worships God according to the way. Acts 24 and verse 14, But this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. And then we have in verse uh, 22 of Acts chapter 24, talking about Felix the governor. Felix the governor had gained accurate knowledge about the way. And it says so. Acts 24 and verse 22 says, But when Felix heard these things, Having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned the proceedings and said, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So they kept calling it the way. And you know, today the expression the way is rarely used. 
I don't know that I've ever heard it being uh, said. It may be used by some uh, parachurch organizations, some individual congregations, and, and even some cult groups. But, but what is this way? We've read these verses, but what did it mean in the early days of the church? What is the meaning of the way? How did it become called? How did it become being called the way? You know, Jesus taught about it uh, two ways. In Matthew chapter seven and in verse thirteen, it says, "Enter by the narrow gate." For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. And so we have the broad way that leads to destruction. We have the narrow way that leads to life. So here we have Jesus doing that. And Jesus claimed to be the way. John chapter 14 and in verse 6. John said to him, in verse 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he is the way. He is the way to truth. He is the way to life. He is the only way to the Father. And so it seems likely that Jesus' statement led to the use of the way. What are some other possible meanings? We've had uh, you know, men that, that do lots of commentaries and, and suggest things. And one uh, of these commentators, they suggest that it may refer to the teaching of the gospel. You know, the Christian's conduct directed and guided by the gospel. Or the Christian community in general. Others suggest it connotes of something of, uh, you know, the way of salvation. In Acts chapter 16 and in verse 17... It says, This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So maybe it is talking about the way of salvation. It is the true way of God. Acts 18 and in verse 25, that's another suggestion. It says, This man has been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So, you know, it could be the teaching of the gospel, the Christian's conduct directed and guided by the gospel, the Christian community in general, the way of salvation, the true way of God. But others suggest it reflects an early self-designation of you know, the Jewish community, the Jewish Christian community, in which they saw themselves as the true way within the larger Jewish community. Remember back Acts 24 and verse 14, it says, But this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. And so it likely referred to following Jesus as the way in both doctrine and life. And... That's just the way it seems whenever we look at all the uh, passages that just makes the most sense. Well, what about some of the things that are involved in following Jesus as the way? What does it take to follow Jesus as the way? What is the way of Jesus? Well, first of all, Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is actually the only way to God. John 14 and verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Matthew chapter 11 and in verse 27, All things have been delivered to me 
by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So Jesus is the only way to God. He's the only way to truth, life, only way to the Father. And it's through Jesus both Jew and Gentile have access to the Father. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18 Ephesians 2 and verse 18 says, for, though, or for through Him we have both access by one Spirit to the Father. And so it's through Him. It's not through anyone else. We can't claim that there are other ways to God. It's only through Christ. So those that deny who Christ is, those that want to put other things as the way to God uh, and exclude Christ, then, or try to... I guess you could say, add Christ as one of the pathways, but these are other pathways as well. That's not the case if you read all the, the passages that we, we have. Because again, like Ephesians 2.18, For through Him we have both access by one Spirit to the Father. So Jesus is the way to God. He's the only way. Jesus is the way to truth. You know, Jesus came to this world to bear witness to the truth. John chapter 18 and in verse 37 tells us, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So it's not anyone else's voice, it's his voice, it's his word. Jesus came uh, as the way to truth. He offers the truth that sets us free from the bondage of sin. That's the only way. Jesus is the way for that. John chapter 8 and in verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So this truth sets us free from the bondage of sin. We are going to be a slave of sin if we want to let sin in our lives. But we want to be a slave to Christ because we know what is there. We want to be uh, you know, the righteousness. We want to be ultimately His child, you know, God's children, not slaves. We want to be called a child of God. And it's through Christ that we can have that. It is the truth through Jesus that calls us to be renewed in the righteousness and holiness. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20 says, But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have learned Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the way to truth. He is the way to life. Jesus came that we might uh, have life more abundantly. John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. And so he offers life with what? He offers life with love, and it's a type of love that passes knowledge. John chapter 15 and verse 10, it says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Ephesians 3 and verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Jesus is the way to God, the way to truth, He is the way to life, and in, within that life he, he offers li- a life with love that passes you know, knowledge, but He also offers life with peace that surpasses understanding. John chapter 14 and in verse 27 John 14 and verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In John chapter 16 and verse 13 it says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks or hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And then on down to Philippians 4 and verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the way of Jesus, you know, he offers this life with love that surpasses, you know, or that passes knowledge. It surpasses understanding. Uh, this type of peace that we've just talked about. But it also offers a life with joy that is inexpressible. John chapter 15 and in verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So we want to have a, you know, this joy to remain in us. It wants, God wants it through His Son to be full. That's what Christ was saying. 1 Peter 1 and in verse 8 says, Whom, having not seen you, love... Though now, you do not, uh, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So we can have that joy inexpressible through this life, this way of life that Christ offers to us. But the thing is, is we can have this love, we can have this peace and joy here on this earth. But the one thing that he can offer that no one can, is he offers life beyond this life. John 11 and verse 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And then over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13, it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or those who have passed away, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. So he offers a life beyond this life. 
he offers this way to God, this way to truth, this way to life here on this earth, as well as to life beyond this life. But Jesus is also the way of prayer. Jesus taught us how to pray. He taught us how to pray diligently. He taught us how to pray humbly. If we look in Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11 and in verse 1, here it starts out, this is uh, what's considered the Lord's Prayer. Um, but if we look in verse 1 and, and part of 2, it says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he, had, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father uh, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he was going through and giving them, you know, we pray, obviously, to our Father. We um, pray for our daily bread. We pray for forgiveness of sins. And we pray for each and every one of us. We pray not to be led in temptation. He gives us some things that we should be talking about in our everyday lives, that we're going to be tempted with, that we're going to be troubled with, and things that we have that are given to us by him. So he taught us how to pray, but he also taught us how to pray diligently. You know, it says in verse 9, it says, So I say to uh, you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread, will any father among you, uh, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, you know, we're asking in prayers, and we're going on to looking at how to pray, praying diligently. Because if we look in Luke chapter 18 and, and starting in verse 1, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Ask, as we, we just read in earlier, and he, you know, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. But we've got to not lose heart. Not lose heart. And it goes through on saying in verse uh, 2, There was a certain city... There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Nor there was a uh, now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, "Get justice for me from my adversary." And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, "Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me." Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. So, you know, we've got to pray diligently. But we also have, if we look on down to verse 14 in Luke chapter 18, this, we have the account of the Pharisee and the tax collector, that parable that was being talked about and how the Pharisee did his prayer and then how the tax collector uh, did his prayer. Verse 14 says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, 
went down to his house justified rather than the, uh, than the other, which was the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And this is because Christ serves as our high priest. Hebrews 4 and verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he is our high priest. He's our intercessor. Uh, Hebrews 7 and verse 25 tells us he always lives to make intercession for them. And he's, an, he's our advocate as we pray. First uh, John 2 and verse 1, it says, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so Jesus Christ is the way of prayer, and he's, he's also the way of service. You know, Jesus came to this earth to serve, and he taught his disciples to do likewise. In Matthew chapter 20 and in verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give himself life, to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus came to serve. And we have the, the example in John chapter 13 and in verse 2 of, of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Uh, as he was saying in verse 16 of John chapter 13, it says, Most assuredly I say... To you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. He who is sent greater than he who is who uh, sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so, you know, if we understand that he is the way to service, then we know that we'll be followers, his followers, who are going to serve one another in love. We're going to be his followers. And we're going to serve one another in love. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love uh, serve one another. And it goes on even a little bit further in 1 Peter 4 and verse 9. It says, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. So we don't do this serving just saying, Okay, I got that out of the way. We got to do it without grumbling. Jesus is also the way of suffering. You know, Jesus had to suffer to enter his glory. Luke chapter 24 and verse 25 says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and, enter, and to enter into his glory? So Jesus had to suffer to enter into his glory. And he calls us to follow in his steps. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 2, it says, For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Now whoever committed no sin, nor was deceitful, uh, who committed no sin? Verse 22 nor was deceit found in his mouth. 
who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So Christ suffered to enter into the glory. And should suffering for Christ come our way, we need to be ready. In 1 Peter 3 and in verse 14, it, it tells us, uh, 1 Peter 3, uh, verse 15, it says, And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Peter, 4 and, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. If we jump on down to verse 14 of, of chapter 4 in 1 Peter, it says, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit uh, of for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So Jesus Christ is the way of suffering. We need to be suffering for him should it come our way. And if we do all these things, then Jesus Christ is the way to glory. Jesus will one day be revealed in glory. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 10 says, When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe, because our testimony among you was believed. Jesus is the way to glory. And guess what? We too shall be revealed in glory in him. In 2 Thessalonians 1 again, but look in verse 12, it says that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can be glorified in, in Christ as well. Colossians 3 and verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So if we're going to be with Christ, Christ will be with us. And so we may or may not uh, refer to ourselves as people of the way. You know, there are other designations just as scriptural. And in some situations, you know, when you start talking, uh, saying people that we are people of the way, it could be mister misunderstood as a cult. But we should never stop thinking of Jesus as the way. Jesus is the way to the to God. He is the way to glory. He is the way to truth. He is the way to life. He is the way of prayer. He is the way of service. And he is the way of suffering for righteousness' sake. And so indeed, for such things, Jesus is and always will be the only way. And so the question that we can ask ourselves is, you know, have we accepted him as the way to salvation and eternal life? I know that as Christians, we say that we do, but guess what? We can stumble. The world is not our friend. The world wants to pull us away. And it's through uh, Satan that's doing it. Satan doesn't have to do it immediately. Satan doesn't have to just change you overnight. All Satan's got to do is just pick at you just a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit. He'll take all your life. And if he can get you on that last day, he's got you. So the choice for us is, are we going to be with Christ or are we going to be with Satan? 
well, we hope that by this lesson you want to be with Christ because we know that He is the only way. We all talk about wanting to go to heaven when this life is over. Guess what? It's through Jesus Christ that we can have that chance of a home in heaven. Because without Christ, it can't happen. So we need to be looking to Christ, looking at what His Word says, living the Word, because talking about it and living it is two different things. It's kind of the do as I say but not as I do thing. we got to do as I say and do as I do. Christ did that. Christ lived the life. He spoke it. He lived it. He walked the walk. He talked the talk. And he lived the perfect life for Christ, or for God. And we see that his life was not all roses. It didn't all, uh, you know, be the perfect um, life here on this earth. He suffered. He died on the cross, that terrible uh, death. And even leading up to it, the lashings that he had, the crown of thorns that was pressed upon his head, the beatings that he took, all the things because of what they thought he was doing wrong. But he was living the life that God expected him to live. He was his son. He lived the perfect life. He is our perfect example. As it tells us in uh, Matthew chapter 11 and in verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then as we read uh, in Revelation, but look in Revelation chapter 2 and in verse 10, it says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So here in Revelation, we do have you know figurative language, like the tribulation ten days. Our life here on this earth is short compared to life either in heaven or in hell. So if we do have to suffer, let's suffer here on this earth. Because it is such a short time compared to eternity. And we have a choice. Right now is the time that we can do it. So if there's anyone here that needs the help of the congregation in any way, come forward as we stand and sing.